Ladies and gentlemen, this is William Tincup, and you're listening to the Recruiting Daily Podcast. We're broadcasting live from Sherm in Vegas, and we're at the Accurate booth. If you're here at Sherm, come by and see us. Caitlin from Plum with me today, and we're going to talk a little bit about what's going on at Plum. So, Caitlin, would you introduce yourself? I'm Caitlin McGregor. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Plum, and we are the most important data you need to become a skills-based organization. I, again, you and I have had this conversation a couple of times. I hate software categories. Just hate them. I despise them. Where do, y'all get, where do y'all get placed when you're talking to prospects? We just won an award for best talent intelligence solution, okay. which is yeah. amazing because really this is about having data on the people that actually do the work at your organizations, understanding the humans behind the work. So that's a good category, but traditionally we've been disrupting the legacy assessment space, right. the psychometric, behavioral, cognitive ability. Pre-hire? Originally pre-hire, but right. really what we've been able to innovate is how do you have this data on everyone, every right. single candidate, right. every single employee? How do you understand them the based DNA. on what they could do if given the opportunity? Yeah. That's a potential, trying to unlock the potentiality. Exactly. And having that throughout the entire employee lifecycle, really being able to reuse that data every time you're thinking about a person and how to set them up for success, this should be key data that you're referencing over and over again. So full life cycle. So now you can say you're award-winning software. Definitely, yeah. <laughs> That's fantastic. So what are you doing here at Sherm? What are y'all? What are y'all? What are you trying to accomplish? Biggest thing is build relationships. Really make sure that people can see us, know who we are, and it's been great because a lot of partners are excited to be able to incorporate our data and what they're trying to do because right. nobody really has this accurate of data at scale, and it's needed. Everybody wants to right. be able to be more focused on how to support the individual, and this and so the partnerships have been really great. Also, really great to hear what, what people are talking what are you about. Par- who are your partners right now? We just announced a few, which are great. Humanly, which is yep. here, we just we just partnered with them. AMS, I think we just announced yep. today that we just partnered with them, which Good. is great. We're really looking at, again, different stages of the employee lifecycle and how to bring all the different data pieces together. Okay, so success for you and the team is really kind of looking at partnerships. Do you Have you been to any of the sessions? I just watched... Um, not. No, so. <laughs> I, got to hear, I got to hear a speaker this morning who okay. is an incredible author talk about his life story, which was great. We got to go to the Sherm was hosting an event last night, so a really great opportunity to see people coming out for that. They do, they do such a great job at hosting this conference and really bring tons of practitioners in, together, which is nice. And so definitely we've had some great conversations, met a great practitioner at Happy Hour that another partner was hosting last night. Just great conversations about they've been around for 23 years and the type of change that they're trying to create and how diversity, equity, and inclusion is a top priority and how they're looking for objective data to make that change. So it's been great to just talk to practitioners and hear what's on their mind. So I did this year, probably 2008, so dated. Down in Miami, it was on an HR metrics conference and it was a four hour session, so it was a workshop. And I basically started off with introductions, everybody kind of goes around the room and size company, industry, et cetera. And then I said, okay, now, so here's the deal. You can measure thousands of things, right? But I'm gonna force you to pick one and why. And then you gotta stand up in front of everybody and tell us what the one thing is and why. And it was fascinating, because there's probably 300 people in the room. And so we rarely had the same metric. Like the, 
There's some like of turnover, regrettable turnover. There's some things that were similar, but not the same. When you try to explain talent intelligence to somebody, this finger on the pulse of what's going on, how do you, what's your metaphor? What do you, how do you explain it to where they understand it? Instead of getting too scientific yeah. or too, too deep into the data or engineering, how do you explain it to them to where they get it? Yeah, I think the first thing, let's talk about the metric. If I had to be one of those participants, oh, yeah. what's the most important metric that I would use? And I think it's quality of hire. And this is something crazy because quality of hire is this elusive thing that really people don't know how to measure and people don't know how to define. And they also, yeah, I was about to say, they, if you ask 10 people, you get 11 different definitions. Exactly. And I think that everybody right now, when they're talking about wanting to become a skills-based organization, the question is why? Right. What, what are you trying to achieve? And it's, I think, this innate understanding that we don't want to just judge people based on where they went to school. We don't want to base just on where they previously worked. We want to do better than that. We know we can do better than that but they don't know how. And so they start going, if we know teachers are good project managers, let's just start saying that they're good in project management and then match them to every job with good project management. But it misses the point. It's not all teachers are going to be good at project That's right. management. That's right. So it, not all teachers are good at teaching. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> that, Basic. That, that, that too. But it's that we're, we're grasping at how do we get away from that and how do we get something yeah. better. And let's I, not use the old biases. Yes. Let's use some new biases. Yes, yes. And at the end of the day, it drives me crazy because it's just resume parsing. It's just a fancy new way of saying, let's rely on resume Parsing. We're, we're going to use different keywords. Yeah, let's, so that all the biases let's take a, are gone. Exactly. Let's use different keywords from a bag of keywords from the resume to a bag of keywords in the job description, and then we're going to feel better about ourselves. 100%. 100%. And, 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 we just, and pat ourselves on the back for being it, less biased. Exactly. And we know, like, we've been talking for the last six years about how the shelf life of those hard skills is diminishing so quickly. Nanoseconds. Nanoseconds. But we know that the thing that's going to stay and predict success long-term in somebody's career are those transferable soft skills. Yep. But for some reason, people are scared to talk about it because nobody's been able to accurately measure it. There's been so much snake oil, so many consultants yep. charging yep. through the roof fees. And so it's like we all know, and we've relabeled them, they're durable skills or power school <laughs> skills or human skills, whatever you want to call them. It's those things. It's animal farm. <laughs> the definitions have just changed. Yeah, exactly. But at the end of the day, there is something William, you're a great example. You are more innovative, you are more direct than most people out there, and it's what makes you exceptional. It makes you, when you get days to call things as they are, and you get to be outside the box, and you get to inspire people, you end your day feeling fulfilled, and right. you want to go back and do it the next day. Right. If you were put in a job where you had to do the same thing over and over again, or create an elaborate process that 100 people have to follow, you'd be like, nope, I don't want to go to work tomorrow. And especially if you mix in Gen Z, and millennials are like, yeah, no. Why? When I can go somewhere else, it's going to actually value what makes me exceptional. So quality of hire, scientifically, literally is the matching of people's innate talents, those things that make them exceptional, allow them to perform better than their peers. And funny enough, if you put them in jobs that utilize those right. strengths, they stay longer. Shocking. They don't actually want to leave. You, it's not about the paycheck. It's actually about do they feel a sense of self-worth and contribution every day. Do you have do you have some of your customers asking you about speed to productivity as a part of quality of hire? Absolutely. And I love that this is a conversation that people are having because there's this there's mixed data saying that productivity is decreasing somehow as we are progressing in, in work, somehow productivity is going down. And absolutely when, so if I'm able to accomplish something 
three times faster than you because right. it's the thing that I'm really good at. I'm going to be more productive in that than my peer. And, and if, fulfilled. And yeah. fulfilled. And the thing that's going to drain me and lead to burnout, if you could please delegate that to my colleague who loves that <laughs> shit, yeah, that's going to go better. So it not only ramp up time, but also that longevity in the job because I'm going to outperform peers in the areas that I excel in if that's actually the opportunity I get to do every day in my job. So we're broadcasting from from the Acura booth at Sherm. And so I got to ask you, and I want to ask you because you, at least historically, have done stuff on the pre-hire side. And so there's this friction question that's always interesting. It's what do you balance that's important to the employer and what's important to the candidate? Yeah. And so like with screening, we've been asking people about global screens and remote screens and candidate experience. But basically what it gets down to is at the end of the day, candidates have desires and expectations. Employers have desires and expectations. How do you balance it with your clients? How do you give them advice to balance those things out? Ultimately, we really believe we've designed it where the power structure is balanced so that both parties are getting what they need. That's that it needs to be this symbiotic relationship. So every single candidate, when they're done their plum profile, they get their own results. Oh, that cool. helps them with their career. So Whirlpool's a customer, they're gonna have to reject 98% of the people that apply. They still want those candidates to turn around and buy a Whirlpool appliance. They That's need right. to have a positive experience because they're lifelong customers. Right. So it's about how do you provide value even if you can't hire them? How do you set them up for success with their career journey? And so by providing them their own data back so they can be more self-aware, they can use that data to advocate for themselves, to even have ideas of interview questions they should ask so they're gonna be happy in the next job. That can be all part of that exchange. And it's about thinking about that long-term as well. Your candidates are also your existing employees. Are you hiring internally before opening up that role externally? That is also allowing respect so your people don't feel like they have to leave to a new organization to advance in their career. In the ad agency world, for years, PR agency the same way, you had to because people just didn't think that they worked with you for a year or so, and they're like, yeah, you can't do the job. So you had to go, and you bounce, bounce, and say, yeah, that's dumb. Yeah. Like, we're, I'm already here, I like the culture, I like the people, I like the clients. Like, why do I have to leave? I could talk to you forever, but you got stuff to do. So. Thank you so much. Thank you for coming on the show. I really appreciate it, always love talking to you. Vice versa.